Thank you very much, Yaya. What a lovely welcome. Uh, and I want to do the same for you this morning. If it's your first time in here this morning, can I welcome you first? This is your first time at Hope Church. We have put so much work into making this a, a warm, welcome environment for you because you're important and you are valuable. You're valuable to us, but most of all, you're valuable to God. So we want you to really, really enjoy this meeting and have a great time. Could we get, have we got the main lights on? Could we get the main lights on and these spots down a bit? Is that possible? Just so I can see all of your beautiful faces a little bit more. Um, when a frog gets trapped in a well, okay, it, first thing it has to do is to cling onto the wall for dear life. But whilst it's there and it's trapped and it's stuck in the bottom of this well, and there's a number of things that go on, and one is that it looks up and it sees the blue sky above. It sees this blue disc in the distance. And whilst it's there, it maybe has a go at trying to scramble up, but it realises that the walls are too wet and it can't get a grip and it's stuck there. So as time goes on longer and longer, it starts to, to realise and to come to the conclusion that it's trapped there and it's never going to get out. The, this blue circle that it can see in the distance, this blue circle of hope, it's just that and nothing more. It's not attainable, it's not achievable, it's never going to get to it. But all the time that it's there, every so often, this piece of wood suddenly drops down with a bit of string attached to it and gets to the side of the frog and it stops there for a little bit and goes in the water and then it, it goes back up again and goes back up to the top. And this happens over and over again, maybe, maybe a couple of times a day. And this keeps happening. And the frog keeps seeing this bucket and it thinks, oh look, there's a, a bit of wood at the side of me and that's interesting. But I'm just clinging on to this wall. Clinging on for dear life. And then one frog just happens to realise that, hey, this could be my way out. This thing that keeps coming down every so often, this opportunity that keeps appearing, could be my way out to make it to this blue sky above, this blue disc of, of freedom, of this oasis, this amazing thing. But to do it, it's got to let go of the thing that's keeping it alive, the wall, the thing that it's clinging onto. It's got to let go of that and it's got to make a leap for freedom to the bucket. And when it does, it rises and it's carried up to the top. And incredibly, even though it's had to let go of the very thing that was keeping it alive, and it's had to give that up, suddenly it's now in a position where it's got more than it could ever, ever have hoped or dreamed of. It's got freedom, opportunity, you name it, it's all there for it. But we're not frogs, are we? Um, when I was uh, a younger man, I'm still young, I'm feeling fit, feeling healthy, feeling good, trying to look after myself, doing an okay job. But when I was much younger and maybe a little bit fitter, I, um, I, I'd left school with great, great potential. I, I've shared this before, and, but I, I, I lost it all. 
all the potential, all the opportunities, everything was gone. And I found myself in a situation, I, I, I married Vicky and that was a, an incredible opportunity. And then, what was that, honey? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. In fact, what, what I was going to say before I started this, it, it is in my notes. In fact, I better read it because otherwise it's going to look like it wasn't. I've got, we, Vicky and I, right, we've got a number of things in our lives. And some of those things we've spent a lot of time, particularly recently, again, going over what our lives are for, what we've got in our lives, what our lives are about. And we could categorize quite easily the things in our lives in, in two simple categories, the replaceable and the irreplaceable. And so we've took a lot of time deciding and, 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 and figuring out what our values are. What are the things, have you, have you ever heard that people talking about values? What are your values? And it can sound a little bit metaphorical. It can sound a little bit woolly and like a concept that maybe you don't understand. But really, on its most basic level, your values are the things that are the most important to you. The things that are the most important to you. Now, they might be the things that you're not valuing. And sometimes it takes a, a life circumstance or a life situation to suddenly cause you to realise what's valuable in your life. If you've ever lost something, I lost something last night and I was searching around the house um, for, for this thing and, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was gutted because I started to come to the conclusion that I'd lost it. And I'd read something earlier about someone else who'd lost loads of these things. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is me. I've lost this. And it was a valuable thing. It was a valuable personal item. And I was like, I was really, really gutted. And then I kept looking at it. I, I, I prayed. And, and then eventually, it wasn't that long actually, but after, it was probably looking around for an hour or so. And then eventually, I found it. It was hidden under a bit of paperwork. And it was there. And I was like, oh. I've got it. And I suddenly realized how valuable and how much I appreciated that thing. And isn't it the same in our lives? Maybe it's a health situation that you've had. Maybe you've, you've been a really fit person and suddenly you've lost your health. Uh, I know some friends of mine, they, uh, a friend of mine has just gone through an operation and he's been off his feet for a while. And, and I'm sure he must have valued, particularly in that time when he's been off his feet, must have really valued his mobility and just being able to get around and to get about. And it's only when you lose something that you suddenly really realize how important it is and how valuable it is. But there's two lots of things in our lives. There's the replaceable and there's the irreplaceable. But the problem is so often we put the value on the replaceable things, not on the irreplaceable things. How often do we do that? We put the value on the things that can be replaced and not the things that are irreplaceable. And, and when I married Vicky, I found myself in a situation, I was already in a situation where really all that hope and opportunity that I'd left school with was gone. And I actually found myself working, I'd, I'd, I'd had a few different jobs and, and, and I just... I had a couple of them had done and I just felt they weren't right. They, they just didn't seem like they were ethical. And so I ended up doing a, a, a manual gardening job. And I did that for a couple of years. I was gardening for a couple of years. And, and a little business just going around and doing all of that. And it wasn't particularly successful, but it was putting some money in our pockets and it was okay. 
but there was no future in it. And Vicky at that time kept saying to me, Barry, you need to, to look at getting something else and doing something else. And, and I kept saying to her, no, because I know that this is the thing. When I was in that situation where, that I hated, that felt unethical, unethical this was, was the answer to that because it was ethical. Even though it wasn't much, at least it was something that was, I could sleep at night and I didn't have to worry about what I was doing. I was earning an honest living. But Vicky was seeing more and she was pushing me for more. And I was kind of pushing back a little bit and saying, no, 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 I, I can't do anything until, until I know the right thing. But an opportunity came along. An opportunity came along. Maybe it had been coming along regularly and I hadn't seen it, hadn't noticed it, didn't realise what it was. But this opportunity that came along, it was, it was realised that I had a gift in teaching and I was offered a job in teaching. But to do it, I had to give up the gardening, give up the security. And it's almost laughable now because this was a, 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 a no hope of, of really doing that much. I was never going to have a big business gardening. That was, that was not me, and I know some people do, and that's all great, but I was never going to do that. That wasn't my gift. That wasn't my talent. It certainly wasn't my passion. I, I, I was kind of doing the job really more out of, of hard work. I felt like God was teaching me hard work at the time. But it was security, and what, what we needed to do, what I needed to do was give that up and, and go and take a risk and go to university with no opportunity or no, what seemed like no opportunity of income and a long, hard slog ahead. Added to that was the backdrop to it that I'd flunked when I'd left school and I'd just messed that up and I'd, I'd, I'd lost everything. I'd thrown it all away, really. I'd lost everything, seemingly. But the thing was that, do you know that a successful man, a godly man, can be wiped out completely and get it all back? Did you know that? Multiple times. A godly man can be wiped out time and time again and get it all back. There's a story in the Bible and it's, it's of the people of Israel, God's people, and they faced four consecutive years. This is going back thousands of years before Christ came. And they faced four years of famine and drought and failed crops and locusts coming in and eating all of those crops. Can you imagine that? You see, in this day and age, the, if you lost your job for four years, you might be sad, you might struggle, you might be down, you might mourn over what you've lost and, and what you had, but you would still have bread on the table, wouldn't you? You'd still have food, you'd still have a roof over your head because we have a, a good social security system. I know it's not perfect and I know some people fall through the net and it fails some, but generally it's not a bad system. They didn't have anything like that. They didn't have anything like that. No one was going to come in and suddenly feed an entire nation. So four years of failed crops was disastrous. This, threw, this put these people back years. They would have been burning the possessions and, and throwing stuff away and, 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 and suddenly things that seemed valuable were suddenly meaningless and worthless. You've heard the saying, uh, from a, a, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. 
The king who was in desperation would have given up everything just for a horse. All of his gold, all of his silver. These people would have bought and given up everything just for a small amount of food. And they cried out to God. They cried out to God and he answered. And and how often have you heard the verse quoted, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, I will restore you probably you could re- relay it by rope. What does it say next? Anyone want to shout it out? I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And it comes from this story. God's people, four years wiped out. I promise you, they would have been completely and utterly wiped out. And God heard their cries and restored their land and restored their fortune. And he gave them a promise. He said, I will, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. But how could God restore other things? Like if you lost your life or if you lost a loved one. Things like that. Some of you have been through that situation the irreplaceable things. Yes, God can comfort you in your mourning, but the replaceable versus the irreplaceable. The things that really matter versus the things that they don't matter. They're they're meaningless. They can be built up again. They can be got again. You could lose a fortune and get it back. And I found myself in this situation in in my early 20s. And and I found myself with crying out to God and and saying, God, what is it? What is it you want me to do? What, What is it that you've got for me in my life? And he answered and he said, I've got something for you, Barry. Are you going to be a teacher? You're going to teach. That's what you're going to do. You, I've made you a teacher. You're going to be a teacher. But I had to let go of the, of the gardening job. And it sounds laughable. As I was preparing this and I was thinking about this analogy, this, 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 this uh, testimony, if you like, of my life. And I'm thinking, the idea now of me giving up that job is just is nothing. It was a nothing job. But at the time, at the time, it was huge. At the time, it was my security. At the time, I was going completely into the unknown. And I was thinking, how are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to cope? How are we going to do it? But how many times in that moment do we see it as massive? We see it as a huge, huge mountain. Until we've done it and we've learned that lesson. And then next time, sometimes it seems easier. Other times, we just go back to square one, don't we? And we have to keep learning that lesson over and over again over and over again until eventually we get it. Have any of you ever wondered why it is that some people just seem to be able to be successful? It doesn't matter whether, whether drought hits them, whether they lose the job, whether there's a, a health issue, whatever it is. You just know when you hear that person's going through a tough time, you just know they're going to come out the other side. You just know it. You just know that, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe they're a Christian. Maybe they've asked you to pray. Maybe you're going to pray. But you're kind of almost thinking, I don't even know if I need to because you always come up smelling tr- of roses. You always come up trumps. It always works out for you. I know you've got more faith than they have. How many times? How many times do we look at them and wonder how it is that they do that and yet we don't? How many times do we look at these people and and how they always come up, they always seem to, to get what they want. They always seem to get what they want. How is it? 
Is there a mystery to it? Is God just up there just handing out to this person just these blessings upon blessings? He's just picked them out of a, a big bingo wheel. And their numbers come up and he's gone, hey, it's you now. And this, this life, I'm going to choose you, you, and you. And I'm going to bless you and the rest of you. You're just going to have to peck around and, and eat off the scraps. See, I don't believe it, that God works like that. I don't believe that's my God. I believe that we have a say in it. I believe that, that we have a part to play in it. I believe that, that God actually chooses, not at random, but he chooses to bless people for good reason. Because he wants to bless in fertile soil. He sees certain people with certain gifts of faith and he says, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I see your, your, what you've done. I don't want to give the word away because I want to talk about a particular thing that one particular thing that will help you to be one of those people. This thing that I want to talk about this morning, it's it's a tricky topic if you like to preach on because it's not necessarily one of the the, the feel-good topics, the woolly topics of like, you know, the great kind of, hey, this is a, a, you can have anything you want, it's all going to be great for you and you can just, everything's going to be win, 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 all roses all the way. This is a little bit different. This kind of costs a little bit. This is a difficult one. Could be persecution, it's not, by the way. But this that I want to talk about, this is one, I believe, one of the, in fact, this changes everything. If I say that this topic that I'm talking about this morning, it changes everything, I'll show you that I'm not exaggerating when I say that. This that I want to talk about this morning literally changes everything. Everything. It changed history. Our faith, our faith, this is the, the act of our faith that it is built on, that our faith is built on, that the church was built on, that our salvation was built on, right from the very, very beginning, right from the very, very beginning. And I found myself in a situation where I had to, I had to walk away from this job into the unknown, not knowing if I was going to make it or not. And we did, and, and we went into this, and I, I, I was fairly successful at it. And, and I went to university and, and God blessed me along the way. It was incredible. He gave me a job working one day a week that was earning more than I was doing in the gardening. One day a week, no word of a lie. One day a week in Ellesmere Port at a company there. I was actually teaching there. And, and then I got another job at Warrington Collegiate teaching there. And suddenly I was earning a lot more. One day a week. But it was a sacrifice. Wow, was it a sacrifice. We had Sophie, who was a, a, a toddler, and we had the twins born in the, in the first year of a four-year degree course. And, and suddenly, we've got three children under three, and, and I'm, I'm working. And this, this day, a week that I was working, there was an awful lot of prep having to go into it. And I'm going and doing a full-time degree course. I'm missing some lectures on the day that I'm having to work. So I'm having to make up for that. And I'm literally surviving on Red Bull. 
I, I mean, I, I reckon I, I, I Red Bull's profits shot up that couple of years. And, and, and to this day, Vicky can't stand the smell of Red Bull. I'm not exaggerating, am I? Because I was probably surviving on about four hours a night's sleep for, for quite a few years, apart from the summer semester when I managed to, to kind of recoup and, and get myself back together again. We were doing church and we were coming to all the meetings and we were serving in the church and you name it. And it was such a huge sacrifice. And, and, but I, I got to the end of it and, and the sacrifice was so worth it because at the end of it, I, I got a first class honours degree. I, it, was, it was amazing. It was incredible in maths and at a red brick university. It was just so phenomenal. And, and suddenly we're in this position where it's like, this is it now. All that hard work, God's brought us to a great place. And it seemed like that. And I, I got a, a really good job working in assurance for the biggest chartered county firm in the world. And, and that seemed amazing. It, there were so many people went for it. And I got the job and then literally on day one, on day one, I knew I'd made a mistake. I knew it was the wrong job and I had to leave it and, and go back into, into teaching. And so I went back into teaching and I'd kind of thinking, what was I thinking? What was I doing? That was such a mistake. I'd kind of got ahead of myself. Anyone done that? You have some success and you suddenly think, you can fly. I'm Superman. I can do anything. Anyone ever done that? And that's the problem, isn't it? When you've been struggling and suddenly you get successful, so often you see it that people suddenly, they just, they think they can do anything. They think suddenly the rules don't apply and, and anything's good and anything's great. And, and then suddenly you get burnt and you're brought back down again. And that kind of happened to me. And, and then I went back into teaching, but that was okay because I was working at Sankey, uh, Great Sankey High, and that was a good job and, and there was good prospects. And, and then suddenly God just went, hey, Barry. I, I, I want you to give that up. All that that you've worked hard for, I want you to give that up. And I want you to go and work in a, in a if I said a crummy school, I wouldn't be being disrespectful. It was crumbling. <laughs> the, it literally was crummy because it was crumbling. The people were generally great there. And, and it was an incredible, it was a Christian school. And God said, I want you to go and work there where there's virtually no pay. It's not going to cover your mortgage but you're going to live by faith and I'm going, to, I'm going to get you through and I'm going to show you how you can succeed and how you can do it. But I want you to go and I want you to do this. And it was a battle. It was a battle, but I knew that God had said. It was the most, it was a real challenge and a real battle. But it was, in fact, in many ways it wasn't because it was just a decision. It was just a decision. The battle was telling Vicky where the money was going to come from and now we were going to eat and let alone have food, uh, sorry, have, have clothes and stuff like that. But God did miracles and, and got us through. Absolute miracles. And, and the thing that I want to talk about this morning is sacrifice. Is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And some of you may be thinking, okay, well, we're Christians and this is a New Testament church and we believe in the New Testament. And let me explain what that means for anyone that doesn't know that. There's, there's a, a cataclysmic event, a defining point right in the center of history that changed everything. It changed everything. And it was this. It was this. It was this. You see, up until that point, okay, you know the story, I'm sure. Adam and Eve were created in the garden. And then God gave them, I, 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 I think this is funny, he gave them like one thing not to do. 
Like, he didn't go like, okay, there's a, here's a list. There's like 200 different trees that you can't eat the fruit of. And there's like, you know, there's, there's a few there that you can. And, and don't get it wrong. Don't mess up. You, it was like one tree. One. One single tree right in the middle of the garden. You couldn't miss the thing. He pointed it out to them. He showed them where it was. He's like, this is the tree. This is the one. Don't touch it. Anything else you can have. The lot. It's all yours except that one tree. That's mine. Don't touch that. Got it? That makes sense? That's kind of doable, isn't it? If your, if your boss said to you, you can do anything you want, just don't press that button. <laughs> yeah, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, how much temptation is there to press that button? You just kind of... In fact, I know of a website where the, the, the most hit button on the website is do not click on, on this link, and that gets more clicks than any other link. I think we need a button like that on our website. But anyway... Um, so they did. They did. They sinned. God called it sin. He called it as it was. It was sin. It was disobedience to God. It was saying to God, nah, sorry God, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to ignore you and I'm going to do what I think is right and I'm going to do my thing. And God's like, they're in a mess. Because, and they knew they were in a mess because when God turned up, they couldn't face him. They hid. They knew. God didn't need to tell them. They knew they'd done wrong. They knew the consequences. Before God even said anything, they knew. Yeah. And what was the very first thing that God did for them? He sacrificed for them. He made a sacrifice. He made a sacrifice to reconcile them, to bring them back into relationship with God. In that moment, it was broken. They were broken. The relationship was broken. How many times as a kid were you naughty? I, well, maybe you weren't. Maybe it was just me. I know I was a naughty child. I was so often so naughty. And, and the idea of seeing, facing my mum and dad. Or did you, ever, did you ever get that look off your parents? Just a look. Maybe, maybe you were in company and they couldn't say something to you. They could just give you a look where no, where no one else could see. And you knew. Anyone ever had that look? Anyone ever give it to your kids? <laughs> oh man, that look. It used to make me feel sick to the pit of my stomach. It was a horrible look. And that, they didn't even need the look. They knew. Just the appearance of God, they knew. But God put it right. And he put it right through sacrifice. And what you see all the way through the Old Testament then, all the way through the, up until this event, Jesus dying on the cross, is whenever there was sin, there had to be a sacrifice to make up for it, to put it right, to fix that situation. That's easy enough to understand, isn't it? And that happened all the way through the Old Testament sacrifice upon sacrifice and you could preach on that for weeks that's not what I want to preach on and then there was this cataclysmic event that Christ made this sacrifice the sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice where he laid down his life God himself laid down his life and everything all of his well he was shamed you name it it was all laid down for us he did it all for us. And it's described, God describes it himself as this, a once and only, once and for all sacrifice for all of us. Yeah. For all of us. Yeah. 
We don't need to sacrifice to have relationship than to be reconciled to God. Even if you're not a Christian, you don't have to do that because it's been done for you. I was hoping for a better response than that. Think about this for a moment. You don't need to do anything, anything for your sins. It's all been done for you. This one amazing event. Now, this is not what I want to talk about, but I have to because I can't not, because it's so amazing, it's so incredible, but it actually relates to what I do want to talk about. You don't have to sacrifice to have relationship with God, to go to heaven, or any of these things. Is that great news or what? You, yeah, come on. You have the irreplaceable. Relationship with God, what compares to it? What can come near it? What would you trade for it? What would you give up for it? What would you say, well, I'd rather have this. I've seen this nice shiny car or this new house or I'd rather have that. God, I'll I'll give up my relationship with you for that. Is there anything? Anything? Anyone? Come and see me later if there is anyone. I'm, I'm hoping there's not, I'm guessing there's not. In fact, but I don't, if there is someone, please come and see me. I hope you do. Come and see me. I won't tell you off or shout at you or tell you you're wrong. I'll just chat with you and talk it through with you. But I'd love to. There's nothing, is there? The irreplaceable. The irreplaceable. People have laid down their lives for less. For less. It is the truly irreplaceable thing and that, for, for me and Vicky, is, is our number one. That is the most important thing. When I write down the list of, of our priorities, it's God first. And then it's each other. It's, and these I, I've put all under the heading of love. It's God first. We love him. Not because of us, but because, as it says, because he first loved us. And we love him. And then we love each other. And, and, and we've got so much. And then our family. We love our kids and our family. And then the church. And sorry, it's not that I'm putting my family above the church, but God says I have to. He actually, he actually says I have to. Because if I don't manage my family well, I shouldn't even be in this position. That's kind of the first test isn't it the first call of of someone who's going to lead a church because how I lead my family I want to lead the church the same way I want to sacrifice for you love you you name it all of that stuff and we love you we absolutely love you because you are the church this is the church this is it this is the church this is it but where I want to go to, where I want to get is then, so you, you might have heard that there's, there's no more sacrifices. That's not strictly true. It's not strictly true. Let me explain. There are no more sacrifices for relationship with God. 
Your relationship with God, and this, this I believe, is that if we're going to be a strong and healthy, and, and we're going to be a church that's going to take ground, I think this is really important that we understand this concept. I want you to understand that there are no sacrifices that any of us can make from me to anyone else in this church that can give us a relationship with God, that can improve our relationship with God, that can make him love us more. Or You've heard some of this stuff before. There's nothing. There's nothing that we can sacrifice, nothing that we can do. You couldn't give your own life up. You can't fast and go without food for it. You can't give up all your money. You can't sell all your possessions for it. You can't do anything for it. Does that make sense? Nothing. That, that's like a, a, it's, it's one of our foundational, most important biblical truths that there is nothing. So if you're feeling guilty and you're feeling bad and you're feeling like a bad person, like you've messed up and you've got it wrong, then here's the good news. Don't worry about it because God's paid the price for your sin. He's done it all for you. He's put it all right. Not you. You can't. He's done it all for you. Out of his great, great love for you. He's fixed it all. There's no sin that you can commit that he can't put right. So, how are the sacrifices then? Well, there are sacrifices. It's just that the sacrifices aren't for our relationship with God. They're because of our relationship with God. They're not for our relationship with God. They're because of our relationship with God. And we sacrifice the replaceable for the irreplaceable. We trade. We say, I'll give up the replaceable for the irreplaceable. I'll jump ship from the replaceable to have the irreplaceable. The thing that you can't get again relationships, love, health, a cause, a cause. Maybe it's a cause, maybe it's something that you see in the church that, that you want to passionately get involved in. Maybe it's the kids' work. You, you know, the people who are over there at the moment teaching our kids. And you might say, well, I haven't got any kids. There are kids. We're a family. There are kids over there. There are kids. Our kids. This is our church. Our church. It's not my church. It's our church. Our church. Our kids. And they're sacrificing. Making sacrifices to, to, for a cause to see our kids grow up in this generation that they may have hope, that they may have security, that they may have the words of eternal life in their hearts. But God wants us to sacrifice. Romans 12, verse 1. In fact, you know what? I failed to put it in my notes. Trace, have we got it up? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you. I plead with you. I plead with you. Every single one of you, I plead with you to give your bodies. I plead with you to give your bodies. 
your life, your life, everything you've got of you, not for relationship with God, but as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That, that your life is a sacrifice. That nothing is too great. Nothing. When me and Vicky look at our values, you know the one at the very top? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. When we look at the church and how it's built, sacrifice. Sacrifice. There is nothing in this world that has not been built on sacrifice. Acts of sacrifice. And Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, for those of you who are Christians in this room, our Lord and Saviour set the tone. It's said the world recognises that good leaders lead by example. The best leaders lead by example. Jesus gave it all. He left nothing behind. And the thing about the sacrifice is this, that if you don't, and I know, I understand the implication of what I'm about to say. I debated whether I should even say this because this could be construed as pressure. I don't believe it is. I don't believe I could in, in any integrity leave this out, this, this little bit. But if you don't, if there's a sacrifice, if I hadn't, let me talk about myself, if I hadn't made that sacrifice to, to leave that career and go and work at that other school, children wouldn't have been blessed. It would have cost them. Because I wasn't doing the work in that school that I did in that one. Even though it was crumbling. Even though it looked like it was nothing and it looked like it wasn't glamorous, even though it was a struggle to make ends meet, you know, going down the back of the sofa to find 50p and all of that kind of stuff, even though, even though, if I hadn't, the cost, there would have been a cost. See, I paid the cost to go, but the cost of not going, many people were paying. And that's the thing with sacrifice. If you don't, you see, sacrifice is a personal thing. I can't tell you what to sacrifice. That's the beauty of it. That's the, the check, if you like. I can't stand up here and say, you should do this, and you should do that, and you should do that, and you should do that. I can't stand here and say that. I don't want to stand here and say that. And if you're feeling like there's something you should sacrifice, and it's a big, major thing, I would suggest you to, to take counsel. Good counsel, but from someone with faith. Someone with great faith. A wise man or woman of God with great, great faith who can encourage you and talk you through it and help you and, and, and guide you and all of those things. But ultimately, sometimes, that when I went to that school, virtually everyone was telling me not to. But you see, by that point, I, I, I knew God well enough to know this is God. This is God. And if everyone else, if everyone else walks away and does whatever, I know I've had enough experience of God and to know him and, and how he is to know that this is God and this is what I've got to do. But if you don't, the thing about sacrifice is that 
It's always a, an individual thing for the many. But when it's not done, it's the many that lose out. It's the many that don't get it. There's always a cost. There's always a price. You see, the world sacrifices. You'll see people in the world who will sacrifice. But the thing about people in the world is they don't do it with a hope that we have. They do it in a kind of blind faith, crossing the fingers in a look kind of way. But we do it for different reasons because we're sacrificing. We're not sacrificing the replaceable for more replaceable. We're sacrificing the irreplaceable. Sorry, the replaceable for the irreplaceable. We're sacrificing the replaceable for the irreplaceable. Those Israelites, four years, they lost everything. They didn't sacrifice it. It wasn't their choice. They lost it. They lost it all. And God was able to restore the years that the locusts had eaten and give them back so that by the end of it, they had more than they'd had at the beginning. How much more, how much more is our God able to give back to us when we make a genuine sacrifice that he's calling on from us? Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys.